Hi, everyone. This is Jordan, the owner and CEO of Greaser Consulting. On this episode, we have Jerry Farr. Uh, man, listen, early enablement guy at Outreach. He's gone off to do great things at Redis. Uh, we talk about personalization versus personalization, the the AI that's coming for all of our jobs and a lot of fun things in between. Uh, anytime I have a chance to talk about Jer- to Jerry about tools, technology, and anything else in between, it's always interesting and a ton of fun. I think you'll enjoy this episode. Lean in, and here we go. Say you want some clarity in sales and marketing and SEP. Well, we have just the remedy. Our podcast, DevOps Therapy. Hi, everyone. I've got Jerry with me today. Jerry, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, thanks, Jordan. Uh, what's up, y'all? I'm Jerry Farr. I'm Senior Director of Global Sales Enablement at Redis. So I always like to give uh, connections and feedback, how I may may have met somebody in the past. And I think, Jerry, you were our first, back in the old outreach days, our first enablement person. Um, and, you, you know, I, I can put on the resume, Jerry, that my, myself and another guy, we ran all the boot camps early on, blah, 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 blah. But the reality is we may have done that, but then you showed up. So I'm just really curious before we get into any of this, how bad were those boot camps that you first walked into? <laughs> um, they weren't terrible. They were okay. I mean, it was it was a couple frontline managers doing their darndest to to train new hires, and you guys were hiring quickly. So uh, at, le- at least there was a structure to it, and you're you're very entertaining. So the two <laughs> two good things going for you there. You know, it's it's funny you say very entertaining though, because uh, did did you ever meet or inter- overlap with Tiffany French? Did yes. You interla- okay. Uh, she told me a story once uh, that just it kind of blew my mind and made me like rethink how I do trainings. She talked about uh, being at this training and it was a, like a landmark training or something. I can't remember what it was, but she said a woman came up to her and said, uh, wow, this this training changed my life. This is the best three days of my life. Whatever. And so Tiffany said, oh, well, tell me one thing you learned. She said the woman just looked at her like a deer in the headlights and said, you know, I can't actually remember anything right now. <laughs> and Tiffany was like, how could I get these like rave reviews and nothing actually stuck? And that's when she said something that just like hit me at the core. Cause you know, Jerry, I'm, a, I'm an entertainer, right? Mm-hmm. She said, you can lead an entertaining training that everybody loves. That's absolutely worthless. <laughs> and I was like, Oh no, that's me, right? Yeah. And she said she said just because you can entertain people doesn't mean the training was actually worth anything. Mm-hmm. And then she went into all this methodology how to get people to actually change fear. And so, Jerry, thanks for affirming what Tiffany's fear that yeah. was instoked yeah. in me that it was entertaining way back in the day. That means well, it was worthless. <laughs> brief brief aside. I've actually gone through the three-day training that she's referring to at Landmark Forum. I went okay. through it about 20, 25 years ago, and I feel the same way. <laughs> I don't really remember much about it. But it was fantastic, It was right? great. It was great at the time, yeah. Yeah. Well, so th- that's my that's got my kind of like hidden segue into talking about things that are really popular that may not actually matter. Um, so you walk out of a training, right? It was amazing, but did it actually move the needle? Um <clears throat> And so when I reached out to you and I said, hey, let's talk about 
uh, let's pick some topics you're really interested in. And the one that, that sort of came to the top was this idea that personalization at scale doesn't really work. And then you said, sometimes, maybe, right? <laughs> and so uh, what's your thesis statement here, Jerry? Like, what are you, what are you trying to say with that? So um, the way the, the notion of personalization at scale is supposed to mean that you can um, personalize um, email content in sort of outbound prospecting and do so in a way that you can do it with not just one person, but lots of people at a time. So doing it at scale. And um, the way that's implemented or the way people coach on it is generally um, try to go find something relevant and specific for Jordan and then go find something uh, unique and specific for Jerry and then find unique and specific for the next person. And so people come up with these kind of ticks and tips and tricks to try to do that and make it not so onerous on, on the rep doing it. But I, I've found that it's virtually impossible to actually do that in large numbers, just in pure raw number of times. And then this second reason, the second big challenge for it is even if you were to do that, if I go find something interesting and relevant and important to say about Jordan that I can see from his online presence, the next thing I'm doing is I'm saying, hey, you want to buy some software? Like making that transition from this thing about you to this thing I'm trying to pitch. You like golf. Want to take a swing at, you know. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. So I um, – in the sort of – given the technology that is currently available to us and the way it's – kind of that notion is currently being used – I think that the idea of personalizing when, and specific to the specific to the person or specific to the company, I think that is um, mostly nonsense. I think. So if what's you, if, what's the alternative? Well, um, there are there are a couple. Um, one is if you if your business model and your uh, book of business is such that you only have a handful of accounts or so, absolutely you can do that. You don't, you don't you only have to reach out to you know five or ten or twenty people a day. Sure, spend the time doing that. Um, um, or you can not do, um, in my language, not do, um, personalization, but do relevance. If you tailor the content that is specific to their role, their persona, their industry, their market segment, those kinds of things, you tailor the content for those sorts of things. Um, and as long as you know, your buyer, uh, you know, your buyer personas well enough, you're going to be in the ballpark. Um, you know, you might be slightly off and it's not unique to Jordan, but it's relevant for Jordan's role as a small business owner, for example. So instead of personalization, it's personalization. Personalization or, you know, just relevance based on their role in industry and that kind of thing. So I'm not even quite sure how to ask this question, but I, I've been thinking about this a lot over the last, oh, maybe like two months. Okay. I've been thinking a lot about the technology and tools that exist. It feels like we're still running on the 2015 tool stack in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Like when Outreach, Sales Loft, you know, Yesware was in there. When these companies came to fruition, like they came out, it was like, oh my gosh, like we can do automated emails, we can queue up call tasks. And I'm about to make a statement that's going to sound really harsh, but it's not as harsh as it sounds. Like it's actually a pretty minor innovation in mm -hmm. the sense that like strings of calls to go, strings of emails to go. That doesn't mean it didn't have major impact, but it's like a pretty similar, simple concept. So a lot of people could get the huge value. Anyway, we put that together 
And even back in the day, it was like, hey, don't spray and pray, you know, be tailored. The reality was, though, if I'm just going to be totally upfront about 2015, 2016, maybe 17, that was like the heyday of like, you can buy a list. Mm-hmm. You can do a little bit of what you're talking about, even a little personalization in there, and you could just like let it rip, and people would be like, "Like that is relevant," or "That is right on," and mm-hmm. like, "Wow!" And man, we felt like geniuses, right? Like, "Wow, we got this thing," but we had an actually like a pretty simple concept, which is is actually the value of the innovation was that like it was a really simple concept that people could connect with, right? But we could do this thing at scale and numbers we never did, and now that's just like everywhere. And so in a world where that's everywhere, everybody's running a really similar playbook. Like how do you stand out? And I'm going to use that little term that we just use with personalization where you're getting that, but how do you still stand out if that's a playbook that looks like really similar that everyone's just piling on in some way? Well, I I think in 90, 95% of the outbound out there that's it the personal personalization isn't happening it truly is spray and pray like they're sending the exact same message to all 1000 people that we're reaching out to so it's not specific to this persona specific to the industry specific to the market segment that kind of thing so there is some work that has to be done but as long as you you know segment your messaging to based on those kind of different factors that are relevant for your business i think you can get people to say oh yeah that does make sense to me are you a big fan of centralization of content or rep created content well that's sort of a uh an unfair advantage for me because i actually have a team uh, that that manages that <laughs> that that is our responsibility i'm, is, I'm leading the witness yeah, here you're leading huh? the witness here <laughs> so that's a great question jordan i think it's best <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if there is it is centralized um and I, I i do still believe that very uh, very strongly today that um if you want sequences to work because like in 2015 2016 as you were suggesting uh you know a well-trained monkey could probably do it and get some meetings um, these days, I think you do have to really understand deeply best practices around um, uh, around hu- human uh, behavior, around persuasion uh, techniques, around um, uh, user experience, all those sorts of things to figure out what is the best sort of architecture of a sequence and what's, what's the best way to um, you know write emails that are going to land well and kind of sh- and uh, arrive with a pain hypothesis and those kinds of things. And that, that takes quite a back, bit of background knowledge. So um, I firmly believe that um, you're way better off having it centralized with one person or a handful of people who know how to do that well, rather than having, um, you know, a couple SDR managers or God forbid individual SDRs doing it. So do I think that's a terrible waste of time for them. Do you think though, like just you know, reps used to write everything and now there's a little bit more command in that way. Now we've got chat GPT. Some folks use lavender, you know, religiously tools like that. Do you think there's a day, and I'm actually thinking more about the folks who work on these committees, right? Like, should they be nervous right now of like, oh my gosh, like I I might not have a job in well, the way that we move six months, six years, you know, whatever, like this whole machine is going to take over and now I'll be replaced. Or is that something that's just going to, it's going to have to, right? Just become part of the motion in some way. So um, I purposely used 
um, I inserted a word in my last answer. I said today. Um, today, I think it does make sense for it to be centralized to have someone who's knowledgeable. But I think, I don't know how long, maybe it's 18 months, maybe it's three years from now. That's probably not going to be true because I think um, generative AI is going to take over and and make those things I'm describing today not really necessary. You're going to be able to um, tell your uh, your bot to say, hey, um, I want to go after um, DevOps directors who work in gaming companies in northeastern United States at companies that are not current customers of ours. Um, uh, please uh, write me some emails that would uh, shine a light on a pain they likely have that we can solve. So do you think the like the content writers of today will just be wholesale replaced or do you think those people will then shift into becoming just like fantastic prompters of the machine? Well, you, the machines are going to have to learn from somebody. They're not going to be able to just go out and search Google for the things that are unique to your business. Um, so my guess is there are going to be technologies out there that will have the the automation for it, but someone, some admin internally is going to have to populate that as an admin setting, what those personas are, what the persona based pains are and those kinds of things um, in order for it to, it to, you know, automatically craft these emails. So there's a natural uh, sort of progression in our thought here of in the back of the day, everybody was writing emails themselves, queuing up phone calls, keeping it on their post-it notes. Then their managers made them put it in CRM. And then you got sales engagement that relieved the burden and then we could do more. Now we're talking about how AI can do some of these things for you. But that all stays in that very linear path of like we're doing the same thing. We're calling, we're emailing, You know, maybe we're checking out LinkedIn or something. Is there any part of you, though, that thinks that, like, the whole paradigm at some point is just going to, like, crack and shift? And, like, instead of us talking about personalization versus personalization and whether or not the person or the AI should do it, like, there's just going to be a brand new sales motion that doesn't even involve any of this. Like, we're not just doing email, email, phone call, phone call. There's actually a, a new way to operate. Well, I yeah, I think in the not so distant future, the notion of cold outbound is going to go the way of the dodo bird. I never really understood why people say that because dodo birds are still around, right? But they're, it's, it's going to be irrelevant. No, they're people. not. Come on. <laughs> um, sort of the, this still cold, cold outbound is probably not going to exist in any meaningful sense. What is going to exist is um, reaching out to people with kind of, messaging that is produced by some um, AI bot that is based on some sort of intent signal. Now that intent, so intent signal could be them going out and searching things on the web. It could be them using your product in a certain way, which is more like sort of PLG um, uh, kind of motion. But I think it's going to be based on those signals and you really only invest time going after those people if it makes sense based on their intent. This makes me think about uh, when I first got into the sales world, I I can't even remember what the guy's name was, but the book was called New Sales Simplified. Mm-hmm. You know that? Remember that? Mike book? Weinberg? I think that's what it was. Okay. Yeah, I right. And I, he, anyway, he just, he wrote about the idea that before the 2008 crash, okay, 
basically all salespeople had become account managers Mm -hmm. and all they did is fill orders. They go to the golf course, they do whatever the crash happens, organizations get lean. All of a sudden people are pulling out. They're not just reorder and we need to go and hunt. And one of his big comments was like, we need to get out of the spreadsheets, out of the CRM. We need to roll up the sleeves, take people in the car. Let's go outbound. Let's learn how to hunt again. Okay. And the whole motion was this idea that hunting had died for a while. Everybody was just a farmer and now we need to hunt again. So we got to relearn the motion. And so we go through this massive shift where it's like grow at all costs. We'll just throw money everywhere, grow, 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 outbound, 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 whatever. And now this like product led growth comes in. Now you've got this intent mapping. You got this whole AI piece and like, is there a world where we can only either target people smartly or just, uh, you know, live off of the inbound that comes in for this product-led growth and whatever. But to me, it just seems like history is cyclical. Like, are we moving right now to a motion where, to your point, like you're talking about the future, like some place where outbound doesn't need to exist in the same way, but will that just run its course in 10 years? And the next thing you know, we'll be doing outbound again. Uh, Well, and, Hard to imagine. It's, yeah, yeah, I agree. Things are cyclical, but it's hard to imagine a world 10, 15 years from now when there's a human responsible for doing outbound <laughs> to B2B companies. I don't know. So I've heard I've heard folks say like the SDR of the future doesn't live in cities. It lives rurally um, because you can pay cheaper prices at better, you know, same quality, uh, cheaper prices. We're all decentralized. So that's the future. But what you're telling me is the SDR position in general will just cease to exist. I I, I think if SDR if by SDR you mean cold outbound, I suspect yes. But I think the SDR role is still important and will remain so for for from for some foreseeable future. But um, following up on in, intent signals, um, and then when you're when your um, machine gods in your company tell you this is the right person to work out to, sure, there might be a bot that gives you some initial message that is going to might resonate with them, but there is going to be a, a human who has to call on them and has to do other things and, and send a size 18 shoe to them in the mail and all these sorts of things that are sales techniques. So there, there does have to be a human even at the top of the funnel. So let's bring it back. I, I took us like way sideways. We'll bring it back to today. Um, since neither of us can predict the future, but we're trying, mm-hmm. um, what would you tell an SDR today that, and I, and I'm sure you have this conversation all the time that they're like, Hey, listen, I read on LinkedIn. Everything has to be personalized. I still have a job today. The bots haven't taken over. I'm still writing. Like, how do you convince them that this idea of doing things, uh, like number one, give me control. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number two, we're going to do things based off of sort of these signals or this or that, but we're not, you're not going to sit down and write to Bobby Sue, some personalized thing about his blue suede shoes or something. Well, I'd say, let's do some math. Let's figure out how much time are you spending per person doing that personalization, writing the emails and all those kinds of things. And then, um, you know, how, what that, that that's your, part of the equation there's also how many meetings are you getting from that and you know is it can't you get more meetings by doing other things that don't require you spending nearly as much time 
Um, I know that SDRs want to feel like they need to have some, you know, insert their personality and innovativeness and don't want to just be a, a machine. But, um, you know, having been around this a long time, uh, that sounds great in theory. In practice, it doesn't really work. In practice, you get much better results um, by focusing on messaging that is related to the the role, the persona, the industry um, market segment. You get better results as a team, okay? But then let's think about the individual. Mm-hmm. And what I what I mean by that is, uh, I hate to use a sports analogy, but I'm going to use it anyway, right? There's the guy that can guy or guy, I should say, can score thirty points. 20 assists, 20 rebounds, 20 whatever. Mm-hmm. Their team's going to lose almost every game, but they look phenomenal, so they're going to get paid a whole heck of a lot more. Mm-hmm. Okay, So why would I go into team ball whenever my contract value is going to go up and, and make all these shifts and whatever? Why am I saying this? Every team that I've ever been a part of, there's always the team mentality of, hey, if we can in the aggregate get people to do this, the team's going to produce this way. And then there's always... Uh, I'll just I'll name Jimmy Mack, James McTavish, who made one phone call a day and would write seven personalized emails, and he outperformed everybody, mm-hmm. right? But if we tried to do that at scale across the whole organization, like like that's never going to work because, quite frankly, you don't have the skills that James McTavish has in email writing, mm-hmm. right? And we're not even going to be able to train that into you. You just don't have it. He does. You don't. How do you balance that sort of, hey, in the aggregate, the team needs to move this direction with the individual aspirations of the person saying like, yeah, but I like I want to be able to do this. I want to work on this. I want to train on this. Like that's a tough thing to to like balance whenever you're trying to push these things. Well, that, so Jenny Mack was doing that 2015, 2016, 2017. Do you think that same those same tactics would have similar results today. I'm not convinced they would. I'm not either. Um, but the the reason for the analogy is that was an individual behaving differently than the rest of the team. Sure. Okay. And there's always, in my experience, been and, – and that's not just emails. It's not just Jimmy. There's always somebody that like, man, if you just put them on the phone, like please don't let them send an email. My mm-hmm. goodness. Like just put, yeah. Then there's a person that like – I don't even know how it's possible, but on LinkedIn all day, they don't even, they don't do any of that other stuff. And somehow they're, they're still doing well, but other people can't do that. You right. know what I mean? So how, how do you deal with the Eagle, right? That's in the batch among all the yeah. pigeons. And I hate to say that, but that's just, it's just the reality. So I, I once worked for a sales leader who said, um, after you've hit your quota, um, three quarters in a row, you work for yourself. Until then, you work for me. So my position is um, when people are brought on board, they they do sort of the proven method that works for the most people, for, you know, call it 80, 90% of the people, they do it like that. If they can be successful with that, then they earn the right to do it their own way. Now, you say three quarters. I'm, I'm three, three. I threw out a random number. Okay. Well, three quarters, that's more than the average lifespan of an SDR. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking um, AE, but I, yeah, yeah. So okay. shorter period of time. All right, I got you. So do it our way first, yeah. and then we'll, then we'll shift. Um, what's the one thing, though, like the skill 
thinking in that phrase that you're saying today and you think about writing, what's the one skill that SDRs should be honing right now, even in their position as an SDR, that, you know, in three years when the bots take over, like this is still going to matter? Um, learning how to learn about your buyers. If you don't deeply understand who your buyers are, what their day-to-day lives are, what their workflows are, what the problems are, how they're incentivized, um, what they're, you know, why they generally get pissed off at their bosses. If you don't understand those things, it's going to be much more difficult for you to have those conversations. If you learn about those things deeply, um, you can have those conversations with credibility. You can send those emails in a way that makes sense. And what I'm saying, I acknowledge is not easy, especially if you sell a really super technical product. Um, You're selling to super technical people. I'm not saying it makes sense for SDRs to learn about their products in detail, but to learn about the kinds of people they sell to. Absolutely. And I think that phenomenon, that skill set is transferable to any, any sales role. I think that's a that's a really important delineation, not the product per se, but the people. The people. The people. Uh, I think I can understand why that is, but why why is that more important to understand the people? Well, um, any time any person in a sales role has a couple things against them. Um, buyers think that they don't trust you, and they think you don't understand them or their business, and if you don't take time to learn about what the role is and what their challenges are that have nothing to do with your product, just learn about the role, you're going to reinforce those preconceived notions. So when I remember when you took over boot camps, what you would do is you would have, it was easy for us because we had a VP of marketing, a VP of sales, those were by, so you'd have them come and do a day in the life. Yeah. So we do a day in the life and then we had persona cards that you could read through. Um, and that was all, let me just be really clear, miles ahead of what we were doing. Miles ahead, it made a huge difference. The more we lived in that environment, the more I would see some people that even with the persona cards, even with people coming to the boot camp and talking through it, like they still couldn't piece together why it actually mattered. Mm-hmm. And so how are you today moving people uh, like beyond – just the one conversation and the one card into this like state of like, yeah, but I know why that actually matters. Um, well, um, in a company, so at outreach, we would hold those, uh, I would arrange those interviews with our sales leader, our marketing leader, our ops leader who were the buyer personas. And I didn't have to explain to those people why it was important for the people who were being trained on how to get the, the value prop. They would, they would very easily navigate, navigate those conversations. But if it a company that sells to some other persona, like here internally, we sell to architects, to DevOps, to developers, engineers, those kinds of people. And you go uh, find those people here internally at Redis who work that have those roles. And if they had that role at some other company, we'd want to sell to them. Um, just bringing them on and interviewing them about their role, it's going to be a, a difficult interview um, because I don't really understand the rationale for why you're asking these kinds of questions. So it takes more coaching from the facilitator perspective. I actually have to have like a, a 15 minute prep conversation with them. Just like, okay. Oh, heaven forbid. Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, do that a bunch of times. It becomes little. No, no, I'm not making. I'm saying a salesperson like, why do you want to meet with me for 15 minutes? Just put me in. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Totally different personalities. Yeah, definitely. And the, uh, the engineers like. Why would I want to talk to a salesperson? I hate salespeople. <laughs> yeah. And wait a minute. Like you only gave me one Google sheet of the potential prompts. Like why haven't we gotten into the <laughs> – that's oh, yeah. what I'm saying. It's just – it is so funny how and, – and, and I think this is even your point about like hitting the different personas. Like it's so funny not just the way the messaging relates with different people, the way people respond to things, even the touch points. Like I, even in everyday life, like asking an engineer to come and like sit down and do this thing. Mm-hmm. Let's do a 15 minute. Let me send you a brief. Let me follow up with you. Like all this, the salesperson, let me just pick up the phone and call you. Like, can you do it? Yeah, sure. Whatever. Okay. See you there. Like the way people want to be communicated to oh, yeah. the way that I, like, I expect you to respond to me. Like, it, it's not intuitively better or worse to be more or less aggressive or to be more or less prepared. It's just the difference in personalities and people. Yeah. So I, we did a, a boot camp several uh, last fall and uh, we had finished a session. It was uh, kind of basic outbound messaging, how to, how to form a pain hypothesis and kind of incorporate that into a conversation and what it might sound like. And then literally the next session in the boot camp was these persona interviews um, and so we're interviewing one of these, uh, DevOps guys and we're kind of asking him questions about like, you know, does it ever work for like a salesperson, like prospecting you? Is there any kind of message that would resonate that you might get you to respond? And he said, well, I'll tell you what I would hate is if they said this. And the thing he said was exactly what I had coached the, <laughs> the other people to say like an hour earlier. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, but here's the, like. It plays out in the aggregate too, because like that one person who yeah, said, sure. don't say it like that. I mean, I can think about lines that I've used on cold calls that work 90% of the time is the wrong percentage. But my point is like, wow, this like really works. And then you say it to one other person and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that. That's <laughs> same title, same whatever. Right. And it's like, well, you do need to know like you're the oddball here. Like you're right. the one who's not. Uh, yeah, it, it reinforces my belief that anytime someone on LinkedIn says X, fill in the blank doesn't work in sales. Yeah. Well, there's a little, should be a little asterisk next to that. It doesn't work for me uh, in this situation with this kind of person in this kind of company, but it could perfectly well work for a lot of others. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm convinced that there are still industries and companies out there that if you gave somebody a phone book and just said dial, like it would still work. Sure, I'm sure it exists. It still work. But uh, Jerry, I, I appreciate you coming on. I know we're we're right at time, but listen, I always appreciate your insights and thoughts on things and. Uh, in, for anybody listening, Jerry was always the guy. I'm going to get him in trouble for this, but he was the guy in his first boot camp with us. He said, listen, I, I was a decent salesperson, but I was a better t- tools and technology hack. Uh, and that always stuck with me that anytime I did talk with Jerry, uh, man, he was always innovating, always thinking about something u- new and unique to work on and new to one. So I've always appreciated, you know, just an opportunity to talk to you about some of these things because I know uh, you know what you're thinking on is is probably two steps ahead of, of what anybody else. Because you're a hack and you couldn't do it do it otherwise, Jerry. <laughs> Long live hacks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, thanks for coming on, Jerry, and I'll uh, I'll see you later. All right.
Thanks, Jordan. Hot dog. That was a great episode. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about Greaser Consulting or any information you heard on today's episode, visit us online at www.greaserconsulting.com. Be sure to click the follow button and the bell icon to be notified on the latest here at RevOps Therapy. Thanks and see you real soon.